Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are still in our series in Deuteronomy. Uh, my name is Britt. And I'm Alex. And today we're going to be talking about removing guilt from gratitude. Before we get started, the question we have for you all is... Name three things that you are thankful for. series in Deuteronomy, uh, I've really been enjoying it, and it's been uh, really fun, and basically every week we like to set context for where we are, and what's funny about that is for the past three weeks the context has been the same, but uh, I'm going to set it again. So in the book of Deuteronomy you have the Israelites, and the Israelites have been freed from the oppression in Egypt, and they are now on their way through the wilderness, and now about to enter the promised land. And what we see a lot of happening uh, right now in the passages that we're in is talking about preparation and preparing yourself for moving into the promised land. And what's that going to take? And some maturity and some growth and different things that need to happen as we are ready and preparing to enter into the promised land. And so that's where we find ourselves this morning. We're going to be in Deuteronomy um, chapter 11, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 and then jump down to 13 through 15. Uh, if you get a chance this week and you want to, you can read all of chapter 11. It's amazing. Um, but 13 through 15 give you a good sense of what's happening in the rest of the verses uh, without me reading an entire chapter of Deuteronomy to you. So <laughs> you're welcome this morning. It says this, love the Lord your God and keep God's requirements, God's decrees, God's laws, and God's commands always. Remember today that your children were not the ones who saw and experienced the discipline of the Lord your God, God's majesty, mighty hand, outstretched arm, the signs that God performed, and the things that God did in the heart of Egypt, both to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to his whole country. What God did to the Egyptian army, to its horses and chariots, how God overwhelmed them with the waters of the Red Sea as they were pursuing you, and how the Lord brought lasting ruin onto them. It was not your children who saw what God did for you in the wilderness until you arrived at this place. And what God did to Dathan and Abraham and sons of Eliab and the Rebunite when the earth opened its mouth right in the middle of all Israel and swallowed them up with their households, their tents, and every living thing that belonged to them. But it was your own eyes that saw all of these great things the Lord has done. So if you faithfully obey the commandments I am giving you today, love the Lord your God, and serve God with all of your heart and with all your soul, then I will send rain on your lands in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your grain new wine and olive oil. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle, and you will eat and be satisfied. Okay, so again, preparing to enter the promised land, coming from not only the wilderness, previously that, the oppression in Egypt. And I love this passage because what it's say, what it is saying is, remember the oppression in Egypt. And remember when the chariots got swallowed up in the Red Sea. It wasn't anyone else's eyes who saw this. It wasn't your children's eyes. It wasn't your friends or your cousin. It was your own eyes. 
And then the rest of the entire chapter starts saying, if you understand these things, if you keep to the things that the Lord is saying, then you will have rain and grass and your cattle will be fed. And it goes on and on and on, like milk and honey and everything you can imagine. This very huge, bountiful life, this experience in the promising that you've wanted. And I was just going through this passage and unpacking and reading. It was very fascinating to me. The understanding, the juxtaposition of what the passage puts us in in the very beginning. Remember the oppression in Egypt? And remember the chariots being swallowed up by the Red Sea? You saw and experienced both of these things. Now I ask you to follow what I'm saying and these things that I'm doing. So as I was processing this and preparing for this and realizing that what we're talking about this morning, what we're going to talk about, is an authentic conversation about gratitude. And the problem with that is I feel like most of us, maybe just me, early on got handed kind of a cheap version of gratitude that now makes me uncomfortable. And that gratitude was essentially, eat your broccoli because someone else somewhere is starving, right? So like, be grateful. And what this passage is pointing to is this more robust and nuanced idea of living from a place from gratitude that realizes and responds and accepts both the oppression in Egypt and the chariots getting swallowed up by the Red Sea, that both of those things happen and are real. So what does that mean for how we move forward, right? It's not all oppression and it's not all victory, but you have seen both with your own eyes. And how might that inform the way you move into this next season of your life? And so, as we're preparing for this conversation in gratitude, I brought my friend Alex with me. Give it up for Alex. Because she has a lot of good things to say about this. So, Alex, take it from here. Hi, everybody. I'm Alex, like Brittany said. Um, so, it was so interesting, because last week, you know, we had Brittany spoke on holding pain and joy at the same time. <laughs> and, and after the message was done, I hit her up. I was like, hey, girl, like, what are we going to speak about next Sunday? She was like, gratitude. And I was like, oh, of course. Because for the past year, I feel like I've been saying to people and feeling like I've been in this place of gratitude. And that was something that felt very different. And as I sat down with Brittany and I was kind of like processing that a bit more, getting ready for the Sunday, I realized when that shift happened, and it kind of is a callback to last week, what we talked about. Um, about a year ago, I was going through a breakup. I was devastated. And then I also... Um, being an Enneagram 7, emotional pain is like not my thing. So <laughs> I remember being super frustrated and I was in my therapy session and I was like, it was probably like a few months and I told my therapist, I was like, I'm so annoyed. Like, why am I still sad over this guy? Like, I just need to be over it. And she was like, very quietly, so have you like sat in your pain? And I was just like, what even is that? <laughs> and she was like, oh, I, I like really didn't get that concept. And she was like, so when you feel sad, instead of like doing all the things, did you, have you actually like felt it out? Like have you put on sad music? Have you given yourself this space to feel what you need to feel? Have you experienced solitude? And I realized I had it. And in doing that, I continually just like, <laughs> not just in breakups, but in a lot of things, you know, push my pain to the side and try to do all the fun things because it's uncomfortable and I don't want to sit in it too long. But what I realized is when I started doing that, when I started actually sitting in my pain, my well, my emotional was getting deeper and it was also having a greater capacity for joy. 
And I saw that kind of happen about a month ago, once again, was broken up with. <laughs> and it, he lives in New York, and I was getting ready to go to New York. And a week and a half before he called me, broke up with me, and I was very sad. And I remember going into this trip, I was like, okay, I have a few options here. I can still fly to New York or just like take the train down to Philly where I'm from and just see my family, or I can still enjoy New York. And I went with the latter. I was like, I'm going for the full four days, but here's the thing. I need to realize that there's gonna be so many moments where I'm gonna feel sad and I need to make sure I give myself the space to feel that so I can also have like a good time too. And that's what ended up happening. And I remember it was like the last day um, my, my, my friend who happened to be there, the same exact day as I was going to be there, she was out there for a business, a business trip. I ended up staying with her for like one day. She was just like, hey, you good girl? Cause like yesterday I walked in the room and you're like laying there with the blinds closed and you're listening to the war on drugs. And I was just like a little concerned. And I was like, no girl, I mean like, yeah, I'm sad. But like, and she's like, okay, cool, just checking, <laughs> um, And so, but what ended up happening, what I experienced was I remember this last day, me walking around New York and my heart felt so full. And it didn't mean that it didn't feel sad too, because it did. But what ended up happening is that I gave myself that space to feel all those sad things. And then I started seeing friends I hadn't seen in a while and having these amazing conversations. And I just felt so thankful, I felt this genuine gratitude and from there i took the train down to philly um my family's all in south jersey in the philadelphia area and i knew it was going to be another emotionally heavy part of my trip because my mani is in the final stages of alzheimer's my grandma i call her mani um and my poppy is 85 and no one really like warned me as to how bad it had gotten since i had last been there in december so I walked in and I saw her and I was just very shocked. Um, and I ended up sitting there with my poppy and just started talking to him and he asked about New York and I ended up like telling him about this breakup. And I ended up having this like amazing conversation with my 85 year old poppy and what he ended up telling me, we were talking about like test and like our being, having our character tested and he ends up telling me, he's like, you know, Alex, as Jean Monty is going through all this, I've gone through all these stages of grief, anger, sadness, everything, you name it. But here I am at 85 years old and my character is being stretched and tested like none before and I'm still learning. Mm. And I just remember being like, just started crying. I was like, oh my God, this man has allowed himself to feel everything, the anger, the pain, the hurt. He's literally watching his wife die and caring for her. And yet he somehow still has the capacity to be, but be like, but look at, here's what I'm learning. Look at the love that I, I get to act on every day. And I think that right there is the difference between this cheap gratitude that maybe we've been force fed our entire life and genuine authentic gratitude and the difference is guilt, because there's no guilt in saying, well, people have it worse, so I have to feel thankful. And I feel like sometimes in Christian circles, especially, when things like that happen, these tragic things happen, like right now we're dealing with a very sudden death in our family, and, and it's kind of like you feel like you're forced in this position to be like, well, God is sovereign, so 
but it's almost like God is sovereign, so therefore I have to feel gratitude. Because if I don't feel gratitude, then I'm clearly going against God. But what I realize is you are allowed to say God is sovereign, I'm pissed off right now, this sucks, I'm hurting, and then maybe then the gratitude will follow. follow. You can have both, you can hold the pain and you can hold the joy, because again, once I was dealing with the pain and holding it, the well got deeper, and what I saw was the joy naturally came and then the gratitude started spilling out. And this morning I actually looked up the definition of gratitude and what I loved about it was this final part here, readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. That kindness starts oozing out, even amidst the anger and the pain because it's genuine and it's real. And when I sat there with Brittany and I was going through all of this, that was how, when we were talking about reclaiming gratitude, I was like, that's it. There's no, there's no guilt tied to it. It's freedom. And I truly feel like living in God, there is freedom in that. And there's freedom, freedom that we should be feeling in gratitude because it comes from that place. And that is just something I've been thinking so much on. And I was really happy again that I had to have this space with Brittany where I could explore that a little bit more. So that's all I got. <laughs> So I was at a conference this weekend, and one of the conference speakers got up there. He was a young guy, and he got up there super spirited, like really pumped. And at one point, you know, sometimes conference speakers, they just start like yelling, you know, because they're just so amped. And he said, it is absolutely impossible to feel grateful and sad at the same time. And I leaned over to Sammy, and I was like, this is wild, because my sermon is on the opposite thing tomorrow, but like, <laughs> that's good. It's cool, we got to hang out with him after that, and, and it was really awesome, but there was this idea that I think a lot of us have had that we can use gratitude as a way to escape any pain that we might be experiencing. And I once had a mentor told me, tell me something that I will never forget and will bring up every day, all the time, and Alex alluded, it to, alluded to it, but she said, you can only experience joy to the depth at which you're willing to experience pain because they come from the same well. And as we were reading this passage and going through this idea of gratitude, I realized that sometimes gratitude just looks like taking the lid off the whole thing and letting all the joy and all the pain come up together. Because I know in this room, here's the truth, that some of us lean a little bit more towards it's all oppression in Egypt, and there's no chariots being swallowed up, right? You know, you know who you are. Okay, you got one brave hand raised. And some of us in this room, I'll be honest, it's me. We're all chariots being swallowed up by the Red Sea. It's victory, victory, victory. And the reality is that we are seeing both with our own eyes and our life consists of both. And it is okay and necessary if we want to enter this bountiful space, this promised land, to realize that both are important and good and both together create that natural gratitude. Amen. That maybe gratitude is a place that we live from, that we walk into our next season with, and not something that we use to gaslight ourselves or to scapegoat or to, hey, someone's starving somewhere, eat this thing you don't like, right? but that we get to hold this juxtaposition in a different way. And I was thinking about this as like a visual for myself and for all of us. I was like, oh, maybe I should give everyone a piece of paper that's got like Egypt and then a chariot being swallowed up by the Red Sea that someone was gonna draw who's not me. <laughs> and then a line down the middle. 
And like, find me, uh, find me any situation in your life that, that lands exclusively on one side. Right? Find me something in your life that's exclusively oppression in Egypt or exclusively chariots. It's usually both. Right? I talk about this all the time with coming out. I'm like, that was the best thing I ever did. That was the most freedom I've ever experienced. That was the most love that's ever been received that I've ever let out. It was the happiest I've ever been. It was the scaredest I've ever been. It was the most fearful. It was the most painful and the most scared. All of that was true. All of that was true. It was this beautiful taking the lid off the well and just being like, wow, right? And if we really want to make it simple, let's talk about the resurrection and crucifixion. Because guess what we don't have without the crucifixion? A resurrection. And a re uh, you can't have a, wait, what? Okay, yes. <laughs> Whatever they are, you need both of them, all right? A little tongue tied. But that's the reality of the juxtaposition that scripture is pointing us to again and again and again. It's not all crucifixion. And it's not all resurrection. And it's not all oppression in Egypt. And it's not all victory in the Red Sea. And that maybe when we can start to hold those things together and start to look at our life through that lens, that this, this being, right, of gratitude might enter us into a life that's going to be a little more bountiful. And we might start to see things like rain and grass going and cattle eating. And that doesn't mean nothing's ever bad. And that doesn't mean that nothing's ever good. So our encouragement to you this morning is whatever side you feel like you land on more, okay? You don't have to raise your hand, but like you know it, okay? <laughs> it's to try to open up that well and what does it mean to experience and hold both? I guarantee it will create a more robust and nuanced experience as we move throughout our life. And again, this isn't a gratitude that says, hey, if anything bad has happened to you, this just discounts it all. No, this is saying, yes, oppression in Egypt and victory at the Red Sea. Sound good? All right. So you're going to get back with the same three or four people around you and answer this question. What is an area of your life where you need to hold pain and gratitude at the same time? Enjoy. Enjoy.